going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Well, greetings and salutations, my friends. A happy Tuesday to you and yours. And we are going to start things off talking a little agriculture because it is Canada's Agriculture Day. And as I've said on uh, this show, I am a farm kid through and through. And so it's been kind of a weird transition to go from farm kid to big city living. But that urban-rural split is certainly something that we talk about in politics. But what about when it comes to our food? Sylvain Charlebois will join us from the Atlantic Institute for Market Studies in just a few minutes to talk about his latest column surrounding that divide and also what the problem happens to be. Why are we fighting back against our agriculture sector here in this province. We'll talk to Sylvain about that in just a few minutes. Also coming up through the course of the show today, we'll talk housing, affordable housing. It's going to be a topic of discussion, I almost guarantee you, once the writ is actually dropped here. But we'll talk to Sarah Woodgate from Calgary Housing Company to talk about uh, not only a new development that was opened finally after a couple of uh, delays weather-wise uh, opening up today, but we'll also talk about the need here in our province and what exactly we are, uh, what we're staring at right now. And we'll also go back to Canada's Agriculture Day with Laurie Williamson, the CEO of Agriculture for Life uh, or Ag for Life here in, in Alberta. And she was part of a very special uh cookout for some farmers today here in Calgary. But we'll talk a little bit more about some of the challenges the industry does face here in terms of getting the message out about the safety and some of the technology that has been going on in the agriculture sector, which will also be something we talk about here with Sylvain Charlebois in just a couple of minutes. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. All right, let's get into it. I had to read with a vested interest the food-related issues widening Canada's rural-urban gap. For years, farmers have tried to tell their stories through social media and elsewhere, and too often have failed. The author of that is Sylvain Charlebois, and he joins us now on the program. Sylvain, thanks so much for the time today. My pleasure. I want to know right off the bat, how do you link Canada's food guide to this ever-increasing urban-rural split that we're seeing across our country? Well, first of all, uh, it is clear to me that uh, that the uh, that the food guide really has gone urban. Um, from a science perspective, from an industrial science perspective, uh, it really has affected, um, um, well, the the outcome of of the process uh, you you're seeing uh, vegetable fruits uh, lentils uh, the democratization of of proteins in general i mean that's that's something that is desirable from a nutritional perspective but it has little or no connection with uh, our own agriculture here in canada so on the one side the guide is there to serve uh uh, the public in general, but in the other, uh, I think a lot of farmers out there are scratching their heads in terms of how do we how do we support our own nutritional ambitions. 
One of the things that I always get a kick out of is that it almost seems as though sometimes those living in the urban centers almost think that the uh, foods that are are made available in the grocery stores are built out in the back alley. It's it's, it's such a weird dynamic that way, right? And I wonder how do farmers get that message out there that hey, it's we're doing this on a safe and and we're doing this is it's all trustworthy, it's all and we deserve to be respected. How do you get that message across nowadays? Well, essentially, uh, it's it's about partnerships, I think. Uh, I know that farmers have been out there for quite some time uh, advocating uh, and uh, trying to 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 um, to convey to the public what they're actually doing, how they're serving uh, uh, cities. But I'm not sure that the message is actually coming through. Uh, what I've seen, though, uh, are chefs, restaurants, grocers uh, trying to become ambassadors to farming uh, to try to convey a different message, saying, well, this is not just about supplying and selling food to uh, to people, but that these ingredients are coming from somewhere. And uh, and it, it's coming from an entire supply chain. And at the, at the beginning of that supply chain are farmers. In the end, so connecting earth, connecting land, uh, sea, to our plates uh, is is key, and so you need you need brokers, you need agents out there to connect uh, connect agriculture with uh, with our food demand, which is really us. Do you need more of those kinds of open connections as well? And I'll use the farm to fork. Uh, initiative that's been brought up in the past, and I, I know it's big in some of the smaller communities around Calgary, as an example. But is it really making headway in the really large urban centers? Maybe the question. Uh, I think so. I mean, some areas uh, uh, throughout the country, you can feel that there is there's there's a better connection. Uh, but clearly, I mean, there's some education that needs to be needs to be done. I mean, in terms of uh, what's going on, a lot of people actually have a mythical uh, view of of agriculture. Things have changed dramatically. First of all, uh, the typical farmer is is highly educated now and, and farms are our businesses and they operate as as a business most of them and so this is something that perhaps Gange could 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 learn from and 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 i know that a lot of people come into a grocery store wanting to support their farmer but i'm not sure they actually have the accurate defi- definition of what a modern farmer actually looks like what a modern farm actually looks like yeah, it's funny that way is I know that whenever the farmer's markets open up, as an example, there's a lot of people that get really, really excited and are, are the first to sing the praises of them. But not two weeks later, those same people are over at the Safeway or the Walmart getting something that's made out of, you know, Mexico. Right. So it's it's uh, it's a fascinating hypocrisy that way uh, from the, the consuming public. Oh, absolutely. And so, of course, there, there's the price. The price is an issue. Uh, food security is an issue. But uh, again, going back to the food guide, I mean, there's, there was little or no attention given to food security overall. And, and this is something we're doing at Dow right now is we're actually conducting a cost analysis between the old and the new food guide and see whether or not um, Canadian's food security has been compromised if you are to follow the new food guide. And so these are honest conversations we need to have. I think a lot of people want to support farmers. They want to go to the farmer's markets. But at the end of the day, we're, we're bargain shoppers. If you go in rural Canada, I can tell you, 
uh, supporting a local farmer is important, but it also boils down to price. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. One of the other things that I, I found fascinating about your your uh, latest write-up is the connection that you made between those who are vehemently anti-farm versus, say, the environmental activists and the animal rights yeah. activists. I, I found that uh, very, very true in my circles. Is There are a few people who they'll post something about about their own family farm and without a doubt there's going to be a couple of posts about how dirty it is and how bad it is and the the chemicals that are used and it's amazing yeah. how vicious it's gotten uh in in those echo chambers of the internet oh absolutely so with pesticides gmos uh, uh, these debates have uh, become highly polarized what's really uh, what's really interesting is that a lot of people who are against, uh, say, GMOs uh, don't ne- don't necessarily know much about them. They don't mm-hmm. know much about genetic engineering. So uh, whether it's indifference or, or, or lack of knowledge, it, it's really affecting policy overall. And so if, if we are to get a stronger policy in Canada when it comes to agriculture and food, we need to make uh, we, need, we need to do a better job in connecting both worlds, rural and urban. How do you, as a farmer here in Alberta who might be listening, make your voice a little louder or more uh, relevant, I guess, in the world of the GMO or the anti-GMO that people are always talking about and always pointing a finger at? I would say instead of advocating, uh, which is really essentially noise now, uh, you may want to partner with uh, institutions like universities, uh, trade groups, NGOs, and work together on research projects that build a case for uh, for for your profession, for uh, your economic role, uh, generally speaking. And that's what's missing. Partner Partnerships are going to be key moving forward. There are a lot of commodities that are under uh, a lot of pressure these days. And I'm thinking, if I'm thinking about Alberta, certainly cattle comes, uh, comes to mind. And, mm-hmm. and if you want to survive, uh, if you want to make sure that the cattle industry in Alberta survives and does very well, you want to partner with different groups so you can actually make your point uh, come across. And from a from a standpoint of somebody who's living here in the city, there's the 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 opposite is is true. Is should there be more of an effort by some of the restaurants and some of the groups that are involved in industry to make those connections with your farmers around your your area to make sure that uh, both are being fed uh, literally and figuratively, I guess. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Earl's restaurant issue was was a good is a good example of a missed opportunity. Uh, you saw a, a chain, a restaurant chain, going south to get the product that people were looking for, and a few days later, changed it, uh, the company changed its mind and uh, went back to Alberta beef. But I think there was there was a missed opportunity there to actually really uh, invite the entire industry to adapt to a fragmented demand uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, to beef in general. So those are the kinds of things that we need to see more and more. And the only way to to recognize these these opportunities is through partnerships, like mm. a restaurant chain and ranchers. That's a very dynamic, powerful combination. 
I am curious, and and you brought up a really interesting point that way is with uh, with Earls, but even with the fast food joints now, you know the A and W campaign. Does that do the local industry more harm than good in saying, hey, we've got nothing crazy that's added to it because it makes that seed of doubt in everybody's mind of you know where's my meat coming from, even though it might be local. Well, yeah, absolutely. So there's 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 some backlash going on for sure. It's making a lot of people uncomfortable. But let's face it, uh, the Beyond Meat campaign at AW is successful, and uh, so something's going on. I think as a as a cattle industry, let's say we talk about cattle, you want to understand why that product is being so successful. Whereas 20 years ago, when McDonald's released its veggie burger, it was a failure. Mm-hmm. Something has happened the last 20 years. And if I were uh, the cattle industry in, in Alberta, I certainly would want to understand exactly what's going on. I hate saying this, but a lot of food for thought in that conversation. So <laughs> I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, for the time this afternoon. My pleasure. As you heard in the news with Haley, much to do with the official opening of the Wildwood Affordable Housing Complex. Uh, looking to house another 48 individuals and families here in our city. Which begged an interesting question to me, which is, what is the situation like here? What's the supply like? What's the demand like? We are heading into a provincial election campaign. We are heading into a federal election campaign. There are many questions that are going to be asked, whether it's seniors housing, whether it's affordable housing. What are we doing in making sure that there are there are housing options out there for everyday Calgarians? And so we thought we'd bring in president of the Calgary Housing Company, Sarah Woodgate, to explain where we're at right now. Sarah, thanks so much for uh, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much for having me here. Let's start with today's announcement and how significant it is for uh, the affordable housing situation here in Calgary. So I'm really excited today that we're formally opening uh, a building. It's a new affordable homes for Calgarians. There's 48 units in the in this uh, new development that is mostly occupied. Um, the construction was completed in September, and we had a snowstorm back when we were going to do the opening. So we're really excited to be having the opening today and welcoming the new uh, uh, residents into the community, as well as celebrating the increased supply of affordable housing that this brings to us. So you go from a snowstorm to bitterly cold temperatures. Great. So we can just blame you guys. for. No, I'm kidding about that. Uh, give us a little bit of an overview when it comes to, we'll start with the need first off in Calgary. What is the need when it comes to affordable housing? So there's a significant need for affordable housing in Calgary, and we're working to the with the community on this. In fact, we need to double the non-market housing supply just to become average with the rest of Can- with the Canadian big cities. So our total non-market housing supply is only 3.6% and other big cities is 6%. So what we're looking at is a shortfall of 15,000 new affordable rental housing units in Calgary in order to become average with the rest of Canada. One of the questions that always comes up is how do you define affordable housing? What is the difference between you know your normal run-of-the-mill house and something or an apartment or condo versus what you might be offering with the Calgary Housing Company. So uh, 
affordable housing can be a really broadly used term. And when we're focusing on it in our sector is we're looking at housing that the private sector is generally not able to provide at an affordable rate to households. What that means to us is in Calgary is about households who earn about $65,000 a year income and, and who are overspending on housing costs. And so there's there's a few different ways to quantify it, but for us, affordable housing is where the market is unable to provide it on its own. We're really lucky in Calgary that about 78% of the housing is provided by the private sector. And we want to keep a really strong private sector housing supply where we step in to provide support and coordinate housing services is where um, people's incomes just aren't high enough to meet the cost of housing on their own. Is there a percentage in terms of where you're sitting there going, okay, I've, I'm maxing out here because of what I'm paying for housing. What's the, the ideal percentage for, for your housing versus your income? So the ideal percentage, which is a, is a, is a, um, a widespread target, is households really shouldn't be paying more than 30% of their total gross income on housing costs. And do you know offhand how many people are actually getting close to that amount or that percentage? There's a very high number um, of households in Calgary that are overspending and within the income target. It's about 88,000 households in Calgary who are not being fully served by the private um, housing market. Talk a little bit about that supply, I suppose, and uh, give us a little bit more insight into what you guys are constructing, what kinds of things you're you're hoping to see. Are we talking condos? Are we talking apartments? Are we talking full-out houses? What is ideal in, in the world of, I think you said, 15,000 units that need to be built here to get us back to sort of that national average? Well, one of the things we know in the affordable housing um, profession is that there's no silver bullet for affordable housing, and there are many tools that we can use. And so um, our goal in Calgary is a little bit different than other large cities like Toronto or Vancouver. We do have a very healthy housing affordability, and what that means is the average household is not overspending on housing costs. And so um, to put it in terms of numbers, a very small percentage of households earning over $80,000 a year overspending. In Calgary, it's the households that are earning 65000 and under where a, l- a larger proportion is overspending. So our strategies are really targeting those markets. And so what we're focusing on is near market rental, um, affordable home ownership or attainable home ownership, and also deeply subsidized housing. Really excited the building we're opening today is mixed market housing, which is a great for building strong communities. So we have units that will rent for $350 a month. And so that would be uh, where people pay based on their income, as well as we also have units that will be considered near market, which is also an area that's not well provided for in Calgary. And their rents will be just about $1,000 a month. Calgary Housing Company President Sarah Woodgate joining us on Calgary today talking about the affordable housing situation in our city. I have a couple more questions, Sarah, so stay on the line. We'll get back to you in just a couple of seconds. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Forty-eight new affordable housing units have opened up here in Calgary, officially the grand opening being held earlier today in Wildwood in the southwest. And joining us today is uh, Calgary Housing Company President Sarah Woodgate. And one of the questions that always comes up in these kinds of announcements is, 
we're always looking for, I don't want to call it transitional housing, but at the same time, these kinds of affordable housing units allow people to get the opportunity to save up some money. So they have something to fall back on for when they actually do want to enter into the home ownership realm. Talk a little bit about the significance of a project like this on that front. Certainly we know that housing is a really big part of where people's income are going, but it's definitely not the only place. And so when we're looking at affordable housing, we are also focusing on affordable living. And so the new development we're opening today, when, when we're looking at sites, we look at locations that are close to transit to help with transportation costs, for example, close proximity to schools and grocery stores. And we're focusing on that affordable living element. Certainly there are a lot of Calgarians who who not only struggle with housing costs, but also with um, providing food and medicine and clothing. And so th- addressing the having a home is the foundation. And once we can um, provide a home that's safe um, for families to thrive, we can also coordinate programs um, to help families out so that they have that opportunity to thrive. Calgary Housing Company um, partners with um, home, um, on home ownership, and we've been able to successfully work with our tenants to move about a hundred families a year into home ownership, and that's through coordinated work. And so that is um, not the goal for all individuals, but it's certainly fantastic when that is an achievable goal that people are able to um, have after having affordable housing as a foundation to grow. Mm-hmm. Going forward, what would you like to see happen, or what needs to happen in order? for us to maybe bridge that gap to allow for us to uh, open up a little bit more of these affordable housing units here in Calgary? So we have um, one of the best times. We have a lot of challenges, but right now is one of the best times for affordable housing. We have a national housing strategy, a provincial housing strategy, and a city strategy. And one of the main focuses of that is we're really looking to scale up nonprofit housing providers. The city has identified a goal to develop uh, a thousand units over 10 years by leveraging federal and provincial funding. And then we're also working with the nonprofit sector. We had the Resolve campaign that some might be familiar with, which was really an international success at coordinating fundraising for nonprofit providers. And through that, we have hundreds of new units coming on stream by my colleagues colleagues in the housing sector. Our goal is to continue to um, focus on scaling up those nonprofits. We know that if a nonprofit has about 1,500 to 2,500 units to manage, they're more viable, they're more scalable in terms of their um, operating costs. And so we're providing things at the City of Calgary. Um, we had the largest historic land sale a couple of years ago, and we're working on another nonprofit land transfer to provide land so that the nonprofits have assets. We're helping coordinate development approvals, and time is money, getting them into the ground as fast as possible. We have some nonprofits who have achieved that in six months in terms of getting through development pr- processes. And we're also waiving fees so that um, when you have to apply for affordable housing, helping, helping with that. And then we're able to stack those programs with federal and provincial funding in order to attract um, the dollars to Calgary um, and get people building, get the industry building, and get those homes created. So that's a large focus for us. The other piece um, that we're focusing on is we have, I had mentioned we have um, thousands of units, but 
they're aging and uh, there's a huge focus and need for renovation and repair of the existing supply. Mm-hmm. Certainly a lot of moving parts to be certain and something that we'll be definitely keeping an eye on as I know uh, with two elections coming along as well there's going to be a lot of focus on affordable housing, seniors housing, all kinds of housing issues so we'll definitely be chatting with you again Sarah. Thank you so much for the time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Sarah Woodgate is the president of the Calgary Housing Company. As again, uh, 48 new affordable housing units in Wildwood officially opening up after a bit of a weather-related backlog, or not backlog, it was a weather-related delay in opening that facility back in September. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Let's continue with the discussion surrounding Canada's Agriculture Day. Yes, uh, as you know, I have my rural roots, although I've been living in the city for a few years now. And Lurie Williams is the CEO for Ag for Life, and she joins us now. They had a, a great event here earlier today. Lurie, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Talk a little bit about uh, what this day means for the industry and what this means for Ag for Life. So it is. It's Canada's Agriculture Day, and we're celebrating all across Canada with hundreds of different events that are happening. And it's really to, you know, share pride and uh, talk about agriculture and where our food comes from. Today, uh, here in Calgary, we held a Feed a Farmer event, and it was a celebrity cook-off where we had five farmers and ranchers join us as our guest judges. And we used Alberta-grown ingredients within the secret ingredients. And we had some of Calgary's top chefs and some of our celebrity influencers come together and make some amazing dishes. Earlier on in the show, one of the things that we talked about was that ever-growing gap between the urban and rural populations we have across this country. And I wonder... How do you address that? How do you get the message out to those living in the urban settings about the food that's being created in in rural parts of this country? You know what? And that's the work, a lot of the work that Ag for Life does is throughout the year, we have the privilege of traveling across the province and delivering agriculture education programming. And it is exactly that. It's, it's really connecting or laying that bridge down between those that are familiar with agriculture and, of course, those that are less familiar and having conversations and being able to share the, uh, the information around food and food production and what, uh, what and how food makes it from the gate to the plate. What would you say is the number one issue in bridging that gap? What's the one thing that maybe stands in the way of getting people to understand just how safe or where their farm, uh, where their food is coming from? I think a lot of, I mean, I think there's a lot of interest nowadays in where food comes from, which is fantastic. People should understand and appreciate where their food comes from. I mean, it's vital in all of our lives. I think, um, you know, communication is one of the biggest challenges is, you know, people really need to take the time to investigate. If they're interested in food and food production, then, uh, you know, take the time to learn a little bit more about farming and, and the practices of farming. There's a lot of science and technology, a lot of innovation that's happening, and people are curious about that. And so the best thing you can do really is, you know, like anything, is, is research a little bit and understand more about food and how the, you know, sort of the story of food and how it gets to your plate. That is the incredible part about the industry, and I'm not even that old, but I know back when I was uh, when we were really into the grain farming at the farm, what the one thing that it was always funny to me was the equipment was older than I was, and now I mean you look at the, at how computerized it's become, how precise everything has become, and it really has become an art form in its own way. 
It is, uh, you know, leaps and bounds of, I mean, we all remember, you know, grandpa or grandpa's farm and, and working on the farm and all of the long, hard hours. Well, we still have the long, hard hours, but we do have technology now that allows us in the industry to be a lot more precise, which has so many advantages when it comes to farming. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, sustainable agriculture and we talk about the climate and, and agriculture's role and all of this, these improvements are, are you know, leading us in the, in the right direction. That's one of the challenges, too, I find, is that there seems to be, with any kind of improvement, it almost seems as though there's a pushback, like, oh, this can't be real. You know, whether it's the GMO issue that pops up or whether it's, you know, can you chem follow still or all those kinds of things that that roll out, people are a little leery about it. So how do you fight that perception that, uh, you know, just because it's uh, it's improved that much that there must be something mischievous going on behind the scenes? it's not like anything there's there's advancements in all industries and i think um as food is personal to everyone i think it's really important then again it goes back to the education and and the role that we do at ag for life it's really around delivering the message because there have been a lot of changes in agriculture and a lot of improvements when it comes to science and technology and so you know taking the time as a consumer to understand food to understand exactly what it means and uh, you know we think it's great at egg for life we think it's fantastic that people are interested in food where their food comes from and so um that's you know where we're hoping to fill that role is to be able to educate people and answer those questions on food Mm -hmm. the conversation is always a good one and the one thing that i always love is at the very least i can argue this is especially when i go down to the farm and grab some fresh veggies and that i'll go this stuff is always 100 percent tastier than anything that you'll find in a grocery store uh, it's pretty good. We're pretty we're pretty lucky in this <laughs> province to be able to have an abundance of food to walk into the grocery store and have so much choice. Uh, so we are blessed, and I think yeah. that's what a day like today brings us is a, a celebration and and being thankful for all of the the hard work of our farmers and ranchers. So we do have uh, fresh food uh, available to us. Without a doubt, Lurie. Uh, thank you so much for the time, and hope you guys had fun and stayed warm at your event today. We did. Thank you so much. Lurie Williamson, the CEO of Ag for Life, as it is Canada's Agriculture Day. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment. And you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today.